Well, good afternoon and thank you for joining me again. Julian Campbell here. We've got another exciting show for lined up for you this week. A bit later in the program, we'll have a look at a couple of our business tips from the Harvard Business Review. We're also chatting with Christina Sikiatis on our Minute on Innovation. We're going to be looking at how to move forward. But right now, we're going to have our regular monthly chat with Tony Vidre from AV Chartered Accountants. Good afternoon, Tony. Hi, Julian. How are you? I'm very well. Yourself? I'm very well, very well. Not out and about this month. Not out, not out and about. No, you're in no, office not. today. <laughs> Tied to the desk. Tied to the desk. And I believe the uh, ATO uh, got the uh, self-managed funds under the microscope again. Yeah, yeah, they do. And, and it's something, it's funny, they, they've introduced a whole new range of powers and uh, and penalties. And it's a funny old scenario. Well, this, is, this is actually a good thing. <laughs> you, okay. You would, not, you would not ordinarily think that introducing... Um, new penalties and uh, a new punishment is a good thing, but this is a good thing because if you if you think about the context that this comes in, um, the, the whole sort of self-managed um, super fund sector um, that's been around for, for you know good over thirty years, that the ATO have essentially up until now only really had two options when it came to um, trustees that breached their responsibilities. They either did nothing or they had this incredible penal um, talk about you know, smashing a a, um, a walnut with a with a sledgehammer, uh-huh. where they would tax the fund at forty six percent. So trustees oh. could actually lose forty six percent of the assets in the fund if they were non complying. So you can imagine that the ATO were very very um, reluctant um, to do that. Mm-hmm. And to, here's a quick quiz for you. Now there's about probably in the marketplace about four hundred and fifty thousand of these mum and dad type funds, how many do you think per year that the ATO made um, non-complying? Oh, probably less than 50, I'd say. Yeah, only a couple of hundred per annum. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, so there's not a lot that they did. So it was, it was this black and white scenario. They either did nothing or they had this incredible, you know, sledgehammer approach. So they've introduced some new penalties where um, I guess it falls along the line of the punishment actually can fit the crime. So they can actually now deal with trustees in a, in a few ways. One of them is a rectification direction. So let's say you run your own super fund and, uh, you know, you haven't actually reached retirement age, um, but you've decided that you wanted to help yourself to $10,000 of, of your super fund monies and you really weren't allowed to um, to do that. So once it was audited, it was picked up, the auditor let the tax office know. The tax office can now come to you and say, we're going to issue you with a rectification notice and you must put that $10,000 back in plus interest and you've got until such and such a day um, to do it. And mm. so that's, you know, that's a sort of, you know, rectification one. The one that I like is a an education direction. Okay. So let's say, take that example a bit further. You've taken $10,000 out this year. You, you still take out another 5000 next year. You take another $2,000. There's a pattern of behaviour that starts to develop. So the, t- the tax office can say, look, you don't get it. You don't understand what you need to do. You don't fully understand your responsibilities um, in, uh, that comes with having to run your own super fund. We're going to give you an education directive. Now, this, mm. the rules actually haven't been quite developed around what that means. Do you have to go and do a TAFE course, a college course? Do you have to go and do a certain number of CPE hours? Do you have to front at the tax office at, at 6 o'clock at night to sit through a two-hour lecture? We don't quite know quite what okay. that means. But again, it's, you know, if you're going to do these sort of things, you need to be educated. Education is, uh, you know, is power. Mm. And so therefore, you know, it's, um, I think it's a good idea to say, well, no, you need to brush up on your skills. You need to understand that this pattern of behaviour is not quite what's... Um, 
what's required. And the last one is that they can actually give a, uh, an administrative penalty. So they might actually be able to say to them, well, we don't like what you've been doing here. Um, you weren't allowed to do it. Here's a fine for $5,000 or $2,000 or something like that. So it's very much um, getting to this concept of the, the punishment uh, meets the crime. Would the majority of people, though, not talk to their accountant before they did that sort of thing, or would they just do it? <laughs> Yeah, look, in my experience, um, it's after the, um, yeah, the horse is well and truly bolted. Yeah, so you get to find out a lot of these things um, after the event. And a lot, look, a lot of them are innocent. A lot of them are, um, back in the days where checkbooks were more prevalent, someone just grabbed the wrong checkbook and, and um, you know, drew a check out of the wrong account and then didn't realise until later. And so, But sadly, auditors got this level of, um, you know, responsibility where yeah. they've got to report these sort of things, even though that they might be... Uh, they might be rectified. Mm. They still need to be reported. There, there are some things, and I won't go through them, but there are some things where they can just write a letter to the trustee and say, look, we noticed that you've done that. Don't do it again. But and We're not going to report that breach, but please make sure you don't <coughs> you do not do that again. Mm. But there are some things that, yeah, you do find out. And there's a responsibility that um, that you need to do it. And, and I guess where the tax office has got very, very toey over the years is the relationship between accountants and their clients where you have this conflict of interest. So mm. I'm your accountant, but I'm also the auditor of your super fund. Okay. Now, there's a massive conflict of interest there that's been identified over the years, and that's why the whole auditing process Coming has been in. taken away um, and done by arm's length external people mm. where you don't have that relationship and therefore... Um, you, you do get a better uh, better result. Yeah, and and of course there's always that opinion out there that it's my money, I can take it anyway. We have a lot of that, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and as I often say, you can do whatever you like. It's just the uh, the consequences of, the, of your What's actions that you have to deal with. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Look, at, at the end of the day, there's a, I, I often say to people, look, if you if you run your own fund, you need to run it and pretend that it's one of the big boys, you know, your AMPs or MLCs, that are running it. If they wouldn't allow you to do it, then you're not allowed to do it yourself. Yeah. Now, there, there are some, you know, and it's, a comp- it's an incredibly complex area, and a lot of, sadly, we get a lot of questions of, um, you know, oh, I heard a mate of mine did this, are we allowed to, Can we we do, allowed it to do it too? Yeah, that's it. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff there. It's an area that's been tightened up, particularly with super funds purchasing property and leasing things back to the to the owners and, you know, buying the holiday house and, and uh, you know, mum and dad use it for rather than Holy renting it out at arms. Like, there's a lot of stuff around that whole area where, where um, the, the, the tax office, you know, quite rightly, are getting, uh, getting quite annoyed with it and, and, um, and tight things up. Mm. And, and while we're on super, there are, there's some new super thresholds. Yeah, government announced um, some new thresholds that will apply from the 1st of July this year. So currently um, you can put in $25,000 in your super fund um, or 35, depending on your age. Well, that lower cap of 25 is actually going to go up to 30,000. So indexation's finally um, caught up. And then there's what's called the, the non-concessional caps. In other words, after-tax money. At the moment, you're limited to put in 150000 um, per annum. That's going up to 180000 mm. um, per annum. So, um, I, and I guess that one, one area, if you've got just a little bit of time, where people breach those, where you go over those limits, the tax office have been issuing a lot of what they call excess contribution tax notices. You've gone over, look, you put, Julian, instead of putting 25000 in, you put 26000 in, um, and they send you a bill based on that, that excess. Um, there's a concession that applies for the 2012 year and the 2013 year that will no longer apply. You've, you've got a couple of options right now. They'll send you a bill and you can pay for it personally 
mm. or you can actually fill in a form and say, oh, look, can I just get some money out of my super fund um, to pay for that? That actually ends on the 1st of July. You go over by that $1,000 in that example, that will be added to your assessable income from the okay. 1st of July 2014. Mm. So... Yeah, there's a, a lot of, uh, again, a lot of changes out there. And as I said off air, uh, I had challenge with the uh, websites yesterday, so uh, we might talk about uh, government websites, particularly the tax office, next yeah, time. Yeah, look, all I can say to you is uh, you're not alone. Um, <laughs> the ATO website has copped a lot of flack. It's not very easy to use. I'll just give you one anecdotal, very quick story. Um, when trying to find a particular document um, on the ATO website, it's actually easier to use Google to find the document than to actually search for it within the ATO site. Well, we might talk a bit more about that <laughs> next month, eh? That's it. Got okay. It. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you again. Nice to, nice to talk to you, Julian. Thank you. Bye-bye. Tony Vidray there from AV Chartered Accountants. Just be aware, new penalties if you run self-manage your own funds and, of course, uh, those super thresholds changing. You're listening to Business, the Law and You on 2NURFM 103.7. It's 25 minutes past one. Time to pop over and have a chat with Christina Sikiotis on innovation. Good afternoon, Christina. Hi, Julian. How are you? I'm well, thank you. We're going to talk about getting our mojo working in business. Yeah, and, you know, I thought we might actually have a look at um, a book called Peak uh, by Chip Conley. And the, the subtitle is How Great Companies Get Their Mojo from Maslow, which in itself is quite innovative, referring the, the, the Maslow's hierarchy of yep. needs to, to business. Um, and I thought it was in the book, Conley applies Maslow's theory of human motivation to every business practice through his company. So the whole book really is a case study on his company, Joie de Vivre Hospitality. Um, and it, this group actually took a hard knock in the economic downturn in the post.com, you know, post 9-11 um, U.S. economy downturn, the companies right of ever took quite a hard knock. Uh, so a little bit of background to put that in perspective. Um, Joie de Vivre, or Joy of Life, it's the second largest boutique hotelier in the world. So the fear that hit the travel industry post 9-11 and the fact that, you know, there was a scarcity of money and everything tra- yeah. um, floating around really affected the company. So Conley, by chance, happened to pick up Maslow's series of needs in a bookshop, um, started reading it, and um, to, to sum the whole thing up, really, he, he used the hierarchy of needs to create loyalty in employees, customers and investors. So the, the actual fact, the whole book is a case study, as I, as I just said before, and we're presented um, with a company whose number one priority is, again, brand and organisational culture. So there's a nice quote in the preface, and it goes something like this. In turbulent times, it's easy to become paralysed and operate exclusively in survival mode. Most of us are working in infectious fear factories where risk aversion is running rampant. Now, you can actually look at that and and think, you know, that that's almost being replicated now. He talks about creativity, innovation, um, teamwork being needed more than ever. And the other thing that triggered him off was he saw, um, he was observing Gary Kelly, uh, who was the CEO of Southwest Airlines, and, and the CEO was actually handing out peanuts to the people on the flight. Um, and he said to... He observed um, that all the flight attendants were really happy. Now, at this point in time, the fuel prices of all the other um, airlines had gone up, and he asked him, he said, why hasn't this airline done that? And he said, because we considered the people who would be in the front line of the complaints, and that happened to be their flight attendants. He said, mm. well, our flight attendants by what we do are affected um, in the long term. He said, so we make decisions 
thinking about how it's going to affect everybody. And if you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the pyramid, and it talks about the physiological, the safety, the social belonging, esteem, self-realisation, each one of those steps in that pyramid can be related back to work. Mm. So the physiological, I mean, we go to work so that we can pay rent or mortgage and we can clothe ourselves, our families, whoever's there. The safety aspect, um, everybody wants that bit of security. So it's, it's that emotional security knowing that you've got um, a place to work. And you and I have actually discussed the fact that if you are a permanent casual, even on a casual basis, at least if that permanency is there, you're more inclined to spend money. Mm. If it's if it's just a, a casual temp basis, people tend to hold on money, less money floating around the economy. So that security and also the fact that it's a physically safe environment, uh, we get a social belonging from work. So we have a sense of, of contributing and we have a sense of being in a social context. Our self-esteem is improved when we're productive. And the, and the top of the pyramid, the self-actualization, is who we are and what we are. And again, are you doing something that means something to you? Mm. Um, and I don't know how much time we've got. We left, haven't got any really time nice, left. <laughs> we haven't. There's a great quote that he has from Maslow, and the book's full of re- it's a, just a total case study on how you can relate the whole <laughs> Maslow pyramid. The title of the book again? Um, the title of the book is Peak, P-E-A-K. It's by Chip Connolly, How Great Companies Get Their Mojo from Maslow. Thank you. We'll talk again next week. Okay. Thanks, Julian. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Christine Sikiat is there with uh, interesting and uh, good application of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And time for one of our business tips from the Harvard Business Review. Blast through an email onslaught. Email is one of the biggest productivity challenges that executives face. Sorting through the daily barrage consumes a ridiculous amount of valuable time that could be spent elsewhere. But this is a solvable problem if you learn how to efficiently manage your everyday communications. Firstly, don't check your emails unnecessarily. Only look at them every one or two hours. Actually, I only do it every three hours. Discipline yourself to read only the subject matter so that you can discard irrelevant or unimportant messages right away. You can purge more than half of incoming messages this way. Practice IIO once, sorry, O-H-I-O. Only handle it once. Immediately decide what to do with each email and answer important ones quickly instead of filing them away. Because once you're finally ready to tackle them, you'll spend half an hour just searching through folders. So there's some interesting little pointers there on how to handle, and I believe it's something like 83% of all emails are spam anyway. So get rid of that spam. Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you've enjoyed the program. We've uh, looked at some of those new penalty powers for the ATO for self-managed funds and how to use your mojo in business. In a moment, Jane Klein will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, we're going to have a look at improving people performance. We'll have a minute on innovation with Christina and we'll also look at more business and legal news and views that may affect your business. I'd love your company again for Business, the Law and You at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week and, as Walt Disney once said, when you're curious, you'll find lots of interesting things to do.